0: broadcast system hello and welcome to the 224th annual subliminal Section podcast your weekly dose of conspiracy theory bullshit my name is coding pal phil how are you
1: doing good buddy how about yourself
0: not doing too bad it has been a real struggle to get through the work week after a four-day vacation. I assume you had a four-day vacation, probably five-day,
1: huh? Yeah, I had a I had a five-dayer, and it was definitely a struggle getting out of bed that uh, Tuesday morning. So, I feel, feel your pain. I just wish we were rich
0: and we didn't have to work anymore. That'd be <laughs> real fantastic.
1: Yeah, I would probably... I would still, I've said this before with our lottery episode, I would still, every once in a while, just get a part-time job, just kind of, you know, do it for four months and then just quit, (laughs) but I like, you know, frying burgers or something like that, something fun.
0: You just open up your own business, man, and then you're, you know, you don't come in, you come in every once in a while, everyone's scared of you, the floors are perfectly vacuumed and all that, and then you uh, just disappear into the background. (laughs)
1: <laughs> Definitely all my friends eat for free. Yeah. <laughs> and then when 11, 11 o'clock at night, the doors are supposed to close. But if my friends come in drunk at 1230, well, you better you know, fucking turn the fryers back on. <laughs> Just like the place we used to work.
0: I imagine a restaurant you would own if you're a millionaire. Like nothing is allowed except for salt and fried food. That's all you can have on maybe ranch dressing
1: too definitely yeah it would be <laughs> we would have a lot of stuff on the menu definitely the steak would be okay uh, would have to be good i don't care yeah. about anything else the steak and potatoes actually that'd be the entire menu with Dis- different combinations of steak and potato <laughs> <Fucking>
0: different <laughs> levels combination different levels of saturation from the steak soaking in butter for multiple months on end before it's cooked that would be the phil steak special just Half of it's butter.
1: Yeah, it hurts your liver after yeah. eating it. Yeah. <laughs> no, but there's a longhorn for that. It's fine. <laughs> well, that, uh, this is
0: a I franchise. Want- you can uh, probably just buy a bunch of them. But uh, sorry. Anyway, go ahead.
1: Oh, I was going to ask uh, if you had maybe, I know that you were talking about the Vikings and the Bears game and that travesty. Did you happen to see Iowa, the Iowa Hawkeyes, wimping to the finish line against Nebraska? The worst 10-2 and team probably in college football history. (laughs) I didn't see it, but I did see the score. (laughs) It's fucking horrible. Honestly, I did go and watch the Ohio State-Michigan game in a bar full of degenerate gamblers. It's one of those places where they do the off-track betting on Ah, the side. And they barely had the sound on because they had to have the horse race taking over all the speakers. So... (laughs) It was bad, though. I was surrounded by Michigan fans. Every time the commercial for the Big Ten Championship would come up, you know, having the Iowa symbol right next to the, like, either Ohio State or Michigan, like, to be determined slot, they would all just make fun of Iowa. Of course, I couldn't say shit, because I was outnumbered, like, 10 to 1. But also, they were correct. (laughs) They are fucking terrible. They are going to get murdered.
0: They're going to be real mad when the Iowa Hawkeyes are, in fact, the Big Ten champions. (laughs) <laughs>
1: it's yeah even if they're me and my brother were talking about this today even if they're ahead like by m- multiple touchdowns into the fourth quarter they're still gonna somehow end up losing yeah it's just it's gonna be bad yeah it, they're yeah. gonna lose by 40 points I can <laughs> see <it> now,
0: But <laughs> well i guess before we get into the episode here we did get some very positive messages and i think there's two that you know really stuck out one that i received and one that phil received I'll go over mine real quick. It's a... uh, I don't like saying the last name, but it's a gentleman named Mike who reached out to us and he basically said he remembered seeing a news story about Uri Geller, who we covered last week, saying about a lawsuit, more or less. Now, the lawsuit was this woman claimed that she watched him on TV, okay, and Mm -hmm. then she found out that she was pregnant a few months later. Now, apparently she was suing him because he bent the metal birth control thing inside of her psychically through the tv and thus she got pregnant because he broke her birth control
1: the uh is that called an was iud or something like that yeah like the, yeah yeah, yeah. Oh, okay yeah oof that's <laughs> that's some pretty powerful uh psychic he was a pretty good-looking gentleman maybe yeah, he yeah. Uh, impregnated her through telekinesis I'm just like,
0: I get, you know, he's being sued a lot, and he's suing, so why not try to sue him, but uh, I'm pretty sure the article said she didn't get anything,
1: obviously. You're never going to get a dime from a con man. It's, <laughs> it's What are you doing? It's you know, First of all, he has no money. Second yeah. of all, he's going to con you. You'll be lucky if you don't end up fucking losing everything after you sue him. Somehow. Right. I, they make you pay for his lawyer fees and shit cuz he's destitute. <laughs> we
0: I didn't get any letters in the mail from him, did you? So I think we're in the clear.
1: No, I think we're good. We're still uh we're still low enough on that. Uh, yeah. But that's the bad thing. A scammer like that, if they hear any bad shit about them, immediately phone call to their lawyer. Doesn't matter who it is. <laughs> we're poorer than he is, so I
0: don't think he can take much. <laughs> <laughs> I want your view. I want your Buick
1: Verano. <laughs> yeah. And come you're making the payments. Yeah. Come and get it, Ari. So, I actually also got a message. It was from a new listener named Dave. I'm not going to say his last name, but apparently he was telling me that uh, he had a bit of an issue with an old trope that we used to do he is from pittsburgh but he's saying that (laughs) it's not all pittsburgh that's bad apparently it's north pittsburgh Ah. uh, where people are more likely to shit on the floors than in the (laughs) toilets he said that he's from the south hills i don't know exactly where that is but maybe in the south so he said that people from around where you know he's from you know normal you know they you know they can read and you know don't you know, whore themselves out and do drugs. So (laughs) apparently it's North Pittsburgh. That's bad.
0: Okay. Actually, I should issue an apology right now, Phil. This literally just happened today. I just remembered now that I got my Spotify looking back thing, right? And obviously all mine's just filled with death metal and everything like that. And then it showed me a map of where my most likely the music i listen to where it's the most popular i think it was in the us and it was in f- fucking pittsburgh pennsylvania <laughs> so you know what i know we've been memeing a lot but i think actually that might be where my people are possibly did you scream at your phone like no
1: i swear i can read
0: <laughs> you know what it's a it's a it's a it's called the steel city for fuck's sake they better have metal there come on <laughs>
1: Yeah, that's I. I don't know. I've never quite heard of like a big kind of like metal scene in Pittsburgh. Have you? Like, is that? I know uh, you're more into it like <clears throat> than I am. Obviously, have you heard of like uh, like a big underground kind of deal there? Or I n- no, I
0: haven't. But I guess it's cities like that. I feel. Like that shit kind of comes out of. I would say right now, the mo- where I hear the most new bands that are up and coming, coming out of is, ironically enough, Texas. Mm. I can't remember if it was Houston or San Antonio, one of them two. That's like where the new wave of musicians is coming from. But you know what? Pittsburgh might just, I bet they have probably a great music scene there. I don't know. I've never been there. Hopefully we can go there one
1: day, you know, without getting killed. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh so no- mostly it seems like music comes out of places where the kids there are dying to have something to do and to get out of that fucking town. So that's kind of what they were saying about like in the 90s when all that music was coming out of like the Pacific Northwest. A lot of those people were kind of dying just to get to, you know, get out of their towns. So, yeah, they
0: created a whole new genre of music. I mean,
1: <laughs> it's <Yeah>.
0: the uh, <laughs> the sadness that
1: kind of emanates there in Seattle. Definitely. Oh, with all the with all the rain and shit, probably (laughs) they had a lot of time to practice being stuck inside. I'm guessing with all that bad weather, (laughs) probably.
0: But we've been going for a while here, Phil. I should uh, let you take the reins here.
1: Yeah. So this one's going to be a bit of a long one. I did try to condense it a little bit, but the story's too big. It was just bursting at the seams. So I decided that this is actually going to be a two parter that I'm going to continue next week. Hell yeah. We love those. When the topic of serial killers comes up, many aficionados will immediately bring up the names from the end of the last century, and for good reason, as the last half of the 20th century had produced some of the worst of the worst in the murder game. Though, with the capture of many of these modern killers, their legend and notoriety has lessened throughout the years, as countless books biopics, and documentaries have humanized these men and women, dampening the shock of their atrocities with every lifting of the veil that occurs. This, however, is not the case with the topic of today's episode, with a spree of terrifying and grotesque murders, which to this day, 125 years later, remains unsolved. With the details of the slayings, Spawning not only over a century of speculation of the killer's identity, but also a massive tourist industry in the East End of London, with over 100,000 visitors every year to the Whitechapel District, walking the same streets as one of the most notorious demonized figures in history, the one and only Jack the Ripper. Oh yeah, everybody knows this name. I think even
0: Disney made a movie about him, um, <laughs> which I think you've made it once Disney makes a movie about you. But uh, but yeah, it, definitely
1: I'm, make her a chick, make her gay—the
0: <laughs> Disney way. Um, so yeah, it's funny. You know, obviously I visited you when you're over there, but I don't think I was really into true crime quite yet. Otherwise, I'd be like Phil,
1: we gotta go do this is yeah, i really didn't know that you were into true crime at all until you uh your podcast dude yeah i know i
0: i i think it was like a thing that came on later yeah if it was nowadays dude we'd be on the jack the ripper tour we'd be on some ghost tours it's we'd be all over the place i know you're gonna probably talk about what white white chapel was like at this time but um yep. in modern days is it, isn't
1: it a nicer neighborhood now? Oh, yeah. So I did actually take a Jack the Ripper tour. Uh, it's kind of one of those, at the at the AFI's, they have a little place that sets you up on, like, if you want to go out on tours. Me and a few of my friends from work actually went on the Jack the Ripper tour. And, well, one of them, of course. There's, you know, there's a, so many if you go there. But... Yeah, it, Whitechapel's definitely not as bad as it used to be, obviously. You know, you wouldn't be able to have any tourists there feel as bad as it used to be. Yeah. But yeah, it's a lot cleaner now. The same buildings are there, but it's a lot cleaner, let's say.
0: I can tell you this too, I bet you didn't know. There is a metal band called Whitechapel. Um, they're all right. They're all right. I'm not going to say great. I'm just going to say all right.
1: Are they are they a British uh, band or are they just no, kinda, I, I'm
0: like, pretty sure they're American but uh <laughs> Okay. Obviously if you know what if you hear Whitechapel like I'm sure people know Jack the Ripper but I don't know if you say Whitechapel if they exactly know the dog whistle for what you're talking about but uh, I think it's a c-
1: pretty clever band name. Yeah, you have to be to know like to know that it all occurred in like um, the Whitechapel district. You're probably more likely to think that it, just, like, in the East End. Yeah, you know. Yeah, like yeah. someone who knows less about it might like, oh, the East End. That's Jack the Ripper. Blah, blah blah. You would have to know kind of a lot about it, or you know, listen to a lot of like true crime podcasts to know like Whitechapel. Yeah, or obviously the the movies and books and shit. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Exactly. Now, for today's episode, we will of course discuss the brutal murders of the five women that are thought to have been killed by the Ripper's hand. We'll be giving a brief description of the Whitechapel district, uh, how it was at that time, though for today's episode, we will mostly be talking about and discussing the many different people that are either believed to be or thought to be the man behind the Whitechapel murders. And like I said... We are cutting this into two parts. A lot of those suspects are coming in the second part of the episode.
0: I was, I'm very proud of you for saying thought to have been killed, because there's obviously, like, it's not proof positive, you know, that he's the responsible for all of these people.
1: Yeah, definitely. So, like I said, it was a it was pretty rough back then. There are, uh, I believe, it's eleven total of all of the Whitechapel murders that happened over about like a two year time, two and a half year time period. But these are, I'll mention it later, they're known as the canonical victims of Jack the Ripper. The one who, you know, they all kind of match up with the same MO. You yeah. Could say. Yeah. So.
0: Yeah. I mean, you're going to go into it, obviously, but. <laughs> yeah. I think people died just from being British here. Like, you know. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Broke. Tooth decay and gum disease yeah. did take down a lot of Brits back the, then. The it is funny because they they do mention a lot about like the teeth of the yeah. victims and it's yeah. always like, "Oh, they had really nice teeth. They were only missing two on the bottom and three on the top." Like that's like,
0: "Oh fuck." That's a East End 10, man. Woo. <laughs> three quarters Definitely. of the teeth.
1: I <laughs> I, w- I was kind of surprised you always kind of hear about the 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 victims being like younger like oh the jack, the jack the ripper was going after young like females and young prostitutes a lot of them were like in their 40s and 50s it seemed like a lot of the a lot of the murder victims but that kind of was the age of a lot of the prostitutes apparently back then Wow. Um, okay a lot of divorcées a lot of uh formerly you know respectable women it seemed like so god
0: 40 years old in 1800 late 1800s god that's like a that's a east end
1: geriatric man jesus (laughs) yeah back then jesus like someone in their 40s and 50 obviously everyone thinks that people only live to be like 30 years old up until like 100 years ago the problem is the infant mortality rate was so high it lowered the average so i mean people did live into their 50s and 60s but once you started getting some of those you know later in life diseases they could cut you down pretty quick yeah so yeah not a lot of people live into 70 and 8 definitely (laughs) no (laughs) you i mean you have a bad break in your leg and if it's not set up right you could die you know from that so it's it's a very different time when it comes to medicine they're actually this is actually kind of a, not really a turning point, but a lot of what comes out from like the Whitechapel murders and from Jack the Ripper kind of is like what they're starting to do with like murder investigations because they start getting like higher and higher profile investigators coming in to look into this. And they're bringing a lot of like kind of new, new stuff to uh like, this is kind of the first time that like crime scene photos actually come up. And there's actually crime scene photos, like, of the women, you know, or, you know, mortuary photos. They're, like, they're taking pictures of them, like, in the autopsy. The last canonical victim, they actually have a photo of her, like, as she was found. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I I think I've seen that one. Um, This kind of helped uh, Scotland Yard
1: pop off, didn't it? Um, I'm not sure. So, I don't really know much about the history of Scotland Yard. I do know that, like, the the city police the metropolitan police were pretty heavily involved um scotland yard i'm not exactly sure like how much they got into it i know definitely like after towards the end of like the whitechapel murders this was like world news definitely yeah. would have garnered the attention of the highest police but yeah. i'm not so sure like in the part that we're talking about today i didn't hear much about anyone from like scotland yard like coming into it in this first part you know
0: gotcha so, okay
1: All not right. exactly sure not a, i i can't say for sure i just didn't read much about it so
0: we'll uh we'll look at scotland yard and we'll i uh, talk about it on part <laughs> two it's not really important i'm sure they would have showed up to a murder scene with kilts on still so uh it's
1: not <laughs> jesus put some pants on yeah. there's a ted chick right there what are you doing buddy <laughs> So, to start off, the Whitechapel District, which had been built up in the 17th and 18th century, became a home for many of the city's industries during that time, such as ironworks, breweries, soap factories, tanneries, uh, industry of all sorts. Though, by the end of the 19th century, in the time frame that we're talking about, Whitechapel's fortunes had definitely turned. With many of those industries, which had attracted workers from the countryside and outside of Britain from from everywhere, had shuttered after stiff competition from outside the British Isles had caused closures of all of those factories that once dominated the district. This took a lot of the jobs and opportunities with them, causing a near North Pittsburgh level (laughs) of destitution and poverty (laughs) in Whitechapel. Now overrun with pimps, prostitutes, thieves, setting the stage for today's diabolical menace, as all 11 victims of the Whitechapel murders would be women of the night with the five victims believed to have been killed by Jack the Ripper becoming known as the Canonical Five, as I previously mentioned.
0: So is the story, is this story, the actual supervillain is capitalism, Phil?
1: <laughs> Quite possibly. <laughs> so here's the thing. Yeah, it's it was a very rundown area. You kind of get this feeling like it's kind of like a Sin City type situation. Like they kind of left that part of the city to its own devices for so long. The thing is, you do hear a lot about, you know, police walking around the streets. So I do wonder if the police just kind of had a deal where they knew prostitution and all the stuff was going on, but they just kind of like let it happen.
0: Yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, probably it was a lot easier to bribe a police officer back then here's what i'm wondering so put yourself in 2023 right and you are in a new city and you see ironworks breweries, soap factories and tanneries is that not the most hipster
1: area of the (laughs) entire fucking city well especially those businesses had thrived for like you know 30 to 40 years. Then they moved out. The hipsters love to come into those places and turn them into fucking condos. Yeah. Snatch those fucking places up. You know, like they love to live in the old breweries and all of that. The problem with this place is I think might be something you really don't think about a heavily industrialized area for 150, 200 years. All of a sudden, all those industries leave. Now there's people living there like crowded, very densely populated. The problem is that for such a long time, those industries had been polluting the area, especially in a time when there was absolutely no fucks given about pollution. Yeah. yeah. Or the environment.
0: It doesn't this kind of, I mean, to a lesser extent, it kind of reminds me in all seriousness, like kind of what happened to Detroit and like uh, Flint, you know, because they had the industries there. The automotive dealership just packed up and left, and then people didn't have jobs, and you know, poverty kind of took over.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's the same kind of thing. You know, it becomes cheaper to make the stuff elsewhere, and then to just ship it in. So basically, yeah, same thing that happened in Whitechapel happened in a lot of the Iron Belt. Yeah, yeah, Cleveland and fucking Detroit, all of that. Detroit's mostly known for it. Just because of like how stark the difference is. Yeah. But yeah. yeah, definitely. I mean, this is just modern fucking, you know, this shit just happens. Right now, everyone's moving to the Sun Belt. In 60 years, it might move to somewhere else where everyone's living, you know, yeah. after, yeah. honestly, after Arizona doesn't have any water, everyone's fucking out of here. <laughs> the population of Phoenix is going to go down to like 30,000 when the fucking water stops coming out of the faucet.
0: Yeah. 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 I'm probably right. <laughs> and then I'm going to buy up all the homes. There you go. You'd be a land baron with no water. (laughs)
1: $5 for a dozen. There we go. Now, getting started. The first supposed victim of Jack the Ripper was a 43-year-old woman by the name of Mary Ann Nichols. She is also known by the name Polly, which is what I'm going to be calling her. Her body had been discovered on the 31st of August, 1888, around 345 in the morning at Buck's Row. She was found just beneath a window. Polly had last been seen alive by her friend, Emily Holland, who had a short conversation with her before she began walking away off on uh, Whitechapel Road to the east. She was in search of a final customer for the night. Uh, This was around 2.40 in the morning. Now, Polly Nichols' body was discovered in Bucks Row by Charles Cross. He was a carman on the way to work. Uh, it was also discovered later on by Robert Paul. Robert was actually summoned over by Charles Cross to view the dead body uh, after Cross had discovered her. Now, after finding Polly's body, the men had decided that they really didn't want to be late for work, making the claim that they had fixed her dress to cover her nudity, agreeing that they would alert the first policeman that they had found of the, to the location of her body after they left. Basically, they found her, decided, shit, we can't even be a minute late for work or we'll get shit canned, and they took off. They did actually find a policeman. You know, here's what
0: I'm going to say, and this is an important lesson um, for everybody out there. Now, the dedication of these two men to their craft, (laughs) this level of dedication is going to ensure that you don't get a raise and you do not get promoted. So just remember that. If you see a dead body, report it. Don't be
1: don't worry about being late for work because it's not gonna get you anywhere. Definitely, yeah. Especially nowadays, this would be seen as uh, pretty weird by the policeman. I mean back then, obviously, no cell phones, no phones even. So you did have to run to find a policeman. But basically to say like, Oh, I'm just gonna go to work and if I see a cop on the way, I'll tell him, Oh, there's a there's a dead body down the <laughs> over there. Like <laughs> oh by the way you know normally you're running like every like every other kind of story you're reading in this they run to the police station and then find either a cop on the way or they alert the police in the police station these guys are just kind of like we can't be late for work i gotta <laughs> can ma- i gotta fi- i'll find a cop on the way don't worry
0: can you man i can imagine getting a text from one of my coworkers being hey i'm gonna be a few minutes late i just you know, stumble across a woman who's literally turned inside out. I might, I might be a little late here. I don't know. I guess if the poverty's this bad, they had to be to work.
1: So a carman, if you're not aware, is a driver of a horse-drawn carriage who makes deliveries. So basically, they're a an, an old-timey delivery driver okay. in England. That's the, what a carman is. The, so I'm guessing that this was a a pretty pretty you know, prevalent job back then, even in a kind of impoverished area like this is, they still obviously need people to drive merchandise around and stuff.
0: Well, I so. mean, think about it in modern terms. What would Jeff Bezos do to you if you were late delivering packages? Like... Oh, you might be the next dead yeah, body. You might, look, you <laughs> might look like Polly. I'm just, just telling you. Definitely.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that is... It's just kind of crazy to think that you were so worried about losing your job that you wouldn't stick around to give your full statement to the police. So you got to remember too, though, it was a different time back then. Like I mentioned before, Polly's body would be discovered underneath a window. Uh, On the other side of this window is where Mrs. Emma Green and her daughter were sleeping. Emma was an admitted light sleeper, and she had been sleeping at the time. Uh, She would actually tell investigators that she had gone to bed around 11 o'clock, the night before and she hadn't been disturbed by anything until the police had arrived after the the discovery of polly's body they actually showed up before the policeman that the two witnesses had found and alerted so the cops kind of like found the dead body before the two men were able to find another policeman to come
0: so basically what this story is telling us that miss green essentially is saying she should have been woken up by this woman screaming if she was murdered
1: in this location yeah that's kind of what i'm thinking i so i was trying to like reading it i was putting on my true crime hat a bit and thinking well did she get dragged to this area like there's no mention of like drag marks or blood drag this was there would be a lot of blood in this situation yeah Yeah. so if she was murdered somewhere else and brought here there would be an absence of a shit ton of blood that wasn't there. So I'm guessing if they didn't mention it, it must've been like the sight. I'm thinking more. It kind of means that she was either killed in a really quick manner or the attacker was already kind of what the way that they're making it sound is he got her like silenced her and killed her. Cause there's a lot of bruising on her face. Like he was covering her mouth. Kind of. You
0: know what? I'm going to go with Miss Green is fitting the stereotype that people who claim to be light sleepers are
1: generally over-exaggerators.
0: So, I'm <laughs> uh, just going to say.
1: Yeah, I am not a light sleeper. Uh, I have told a story before about how living with my sister in her house, uh, she had a friend over who actually was having a seizure um, on the porch, and <laughs> the fire department... The ambulance was all outside like they were doing work on him, like just feet away from my window. And I didn't wake up at all. You know what? (laughs) I'm not at all a light sleeper.
0: (laughs) That is, uh, you know what? It didn't concern you. So
1: uh, just just keep (laughs) sleeping. That's what I say. None of my business. No, none of your business. Yeah. Growing up in Iowa, a lot of thunderstorms. You just kind of sleep through. them. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Now, according to the autopsy. Holly had, had a small circular bruises on the left side of her face. She also had that's kind of where the like the hand on her face they're thinking okay. uh, two deep cuts on her neck uh, just underneath her chin, uh one of which was about 8 inches long. Both were very deep with the shorter cut being said to be like down to her vertebrae. Also several horizontal and vertical cuts on her lower abdomen uh, with downward cuts seeming to be given like a great deal of force all of the cuts were made from left to right they were thinking that the attacker may have been left-handed and if you ever went to catholic school you will know that left-handedness is a mark of the devil yeah so
0: So that explains why the jack the ripper's doing this yeah i guess this would indicate that he was behind her stabbing her kind of like uh, you see in the Scream movies, I guess, um, is the best way you can kind of, where the killer's behind him, keeping him quiet, stabbing him. So maybe that's yeah, why she didn't wake up, I, I you
1: know, Miss Green. That actually would say that they're a right-handed person, from left to right, if they were front to back. Yeah. So I don't know. Hmm. Mm, I don't think,
0: yeah, I don't know. I don't think it would, mm, whether, maybe they're talking about the angle that like the cuts were. So if they're like, I I don't, it's hard to explain it, but like, let's say the cut's coming in, aiming at, uh, what would it be? Like their right side, their left side, then it would indicate that the knife's coming downward from that
1: direction. I'm assuming that's what they're measuring this off. Yeah, I'm not exactly sure. I would think that maybe if he attacked her from behind right away and then kind of like what jack the ripper known for is like going to work after he's done the kill shot basically and that's where all of the kind of like the deep abdomen wounds come in yeah i'm guessing yeah uh, while the woman's body was like lying on the ground
0: um one one quick side note here i just want to know if you've experienced this so um i've been known to say some off the wall stuff not necessarily on here but in the real world and when it's uh somebody new and they look at you like what is wrong with you right um and yeah. then you just go oh i i went to catholic school and then they're just like ah oh, okay <laughs> it's like the perfect excuse
1: like they instantly know sometimes i will say oh i grew up on a farm yeah and then they won't know yeah. what i mean but shut up so it kind of works like that too (laughs) go for it oh i was a i was a lonely child who had a lot of time to yeah maybe yeah that's what they're thinking yeah (laughs) you can
0: use that or the catholic
1: school thing so either or yeah or you just tell them like i'm a little bit crazy they're like okay everyone's (laughs) a little crazy so (laughs) very true i'm the older i get the more i learn that yeah everyone's a little bit crazy oh for sure for sure (laughs) for fucking sure Definitely. Now, getting into the suspects, the first of which that we are going to talk about is, who I mentioned before, Charles Cross, the carman that actually found Polly's body beneath that window on Bucks Row. There are some who speculate that he may have actually been the one who had a- Polly, and after being interrupted by another carman, Robert Paul, on his way to work, he panicked and called over Paul to witness the body, making it seem as if he had just. Happened upon the body himself. Cross, according to records from his employer, Pickford Meats, also went by the name Charles Lakemere and was 39 years old at the time. And apparently, his normal route to get to work also took him by three of the other sites of the canonical victims' murders.
0: Okay, so Charles Cross is... Looking a little suspicious here. So um, I just want to clarify. So when he first saw, saw her, he wasn't walking to work. He was like on his little cart thing and he saw
1: her sitting there? He was on his way to work Okay, is what they made it seem like. Okay, uh, He and Robert Paul were both on their way to work. I'm guessing that these are the kind of jobs where you show up before the sun comes up. And then you, like if you're... Uh, delivering like he worked for Pickford Meats if he's you know making his deliveries he wants to get there before the shops open so I'm guessing these carmen kind of show up to the stables get on there you know load up their carts and then take off sort of okay sort of the thing before the shops open kind of like the milkman if you think of that you know
0: I don't know why but like Pickford Meats just like if I saw that on a label I, I just would imagine it's like human meat or something. I, I don't know. I just don't like that name.
1: Especially anyone who's read The Jungle yeah. knows kind of like how bad yeah. the meat industry was yeah. back then. Yeah. Definitely wasn't weird to find rat poison, rat, or a finger in your meat back then. You know so. what?
0: They say meat tasted better back then.
1: <laughs> yeah, that sounds fucking and i can, no joke that's <laughs> fucking disgusting but yeah it is you do so like reading about these murders there is a lot of mention of like carmen uh on their way to work a lot of these murders happen between like two and six o'clock in the morning it seems like they're seeing everyone as they're going home so everyone else for everyone else this is their night out you know they're eating they're going to the public houses Maybe visiting a prostitute. Maybe they are a prostitute. These men are waking up and going to work at this time. So it's kind of like that whole clash of people doing the walk of shame and then normies walking to work. That Ah, sort of thing. You see it in all the sitcoms. Yeah, 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 yeah. Carmen do come up a lot in this story, which kind of makes you think. Well, is Charles Cross later on? Is he maybe lying about name and claiming? Oh, I'm I'm this other person who's all a Carmen. That's why I'm walking to work because I'm a Carmen. But I'm not Charles Cross. I'm someone else. That kind of deal. Gotcha. So, Hiding
0: his identity. It kind of no, makes it. you
1: kind of makes you think that you got to remember though. This is just a you know these are this is speculation. This is a theory.
0: Well, if there's anything I know about you personally is you and Yu Gi Oh have a lot of things in common, and you lay a lot of trap cards in your episode.
1: So I'm not falling for it yet not quite no, no there's know. no uh charlie cross trap <laughs> okay not yet but maybe the next episode who knows <laughs> uh, i did actually get accused in one of the reviews of showhorning not shoehorning <laughs> okay showhorning in the fact that how easy it was to change your identity back then so huh okay well no more
0: showhorning okay no more show horning
1: yeah yeah so uh kind of moving on i imagine though that after the struggle to subdue polly and the many brutal stabbings and lacerations that were inflicted on polly i'm guessing that if you had been the killer you would be covered in just blood viscera you would be disheveled and it didn't seem like the police like saw anything to make them think that this man was the killer. Uh, if he had been interrupted by Robert Paul, he wouldn't have time to wash up, change his clothing. Basically, after he gave his story, he and the other man were kind of just allowed to walk to work. Obviously, nowadays, completely different story. Not only would they need to bring him downtown to get a full statement, he would also be suspect number one. Yeah, so.
0: yeah, I, I totally agree. This guy, by the sheer brutality of this, either he can dodge blood splatter
1: like it's no one's business
0: or yeah,
1: he would have been covered. Yeah. I also, I mean, I'm not sure if it's exactly kind of like in the psychological makeup of this killer, but it does kind of seem like a person who would commit these crimes is the kind of person who would kind of hang around the crime scenes to see, you know, like see their work, what's going on and stuff. So it wouldn't, Wouldn't be a total surprise if it ever turned out that the real killer had been one of the men, like, interviewed, like, throughout this time. That is true. That is very, very true. Moving on, the second Ripper victim, Annie Chapman, had actually been found in the yard of 29 Hanbury Street on September 8th, 1888, just before 6 o'clock in the morning. She had last been seen alive in the company of a man. Uh, She and he were up against the shutters of uh, the house 29 uh, this is where a woman by the name of elizabeth long claimed that she had heard the man say will you and had heard annie chapman reply yes annie would be found by the man who inhabited the third floor of that same house on hanbury street by the name of john davis he was another carman on his way to work and after finding her body, he had told three men that he had found on Hanbury Street about the body. Uh, afterwards, he ran to alert the authorities at Commercial Street Police Station.
0: Okay. Yeah, you weren't lying about the Carmen. Damn, okay. Yep, they're everywhere. So, is the man who said, will you, is this him dropping like ultimate riz on Andy Chapman or... <laughs> Is this how you proposed a sex worker?
1: Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I I don't really know exactly how you sex worker back then, but I'm pretty sure it's just kind of implied what they're, you know, you would think, but maybe it's one of those deals like reading into this story a little bit, you hear that it wasn't her first John of the night. Um, apparently she had drank away the money that she had gotten from previous men earlier on so this was kind of like one last you know job before she gets something to eat and goes finds a place to sleep
0: gotcha okay
1: yeah i remember
0: yep. um you know i've heard a few different podcasts and stuff about this obviously the the basically turning tricks to buy money to buy watered down alcohol <laughs> was kind of like yep. the cycle right
1: yeah so I remember I remember actually this part of the tour and we actually kind of went around to the area where the public house was that she had been kicked out of earlier on in the night. It was one of those deals where they would find a man to have sex with and then buy themselves a bed for the night or a meal for the night kind of deal. That was the idea of it. Apparently, though, she would like to drink away her money before she got to the eating and sleeping so
0: I mean, if life is this shitty, you know, <laughs> why not be drunk for it?
1: Oh, yeah, definitely. Also, I should say that if you go take this tour, it's kind of funny because there's a lot of it's a, um, this yard is still there. It's a very tight space and only like one tour can fit in it at a time. So I'm not sure if the tours actually kind of set it up so that like every tour kind of shows up here staggered kind of deal. But it's kind of funny, like as we were walking in, another tour was walking out, and then behind us there was another tour coming in. So I think instead of having like a shit ton of tours, like at the Lebo was that Le house in New Orleans, how all of those tours were talking at the same time. Yeah. I'm thinking that they coordinate it is how mm, they do
0: it.
1: Yeah. Because it's such a tight space. The yard is basically the size of like an apartment and living room. So <laughs>
0: Yeah, that's it'd be hard to get a few tour
1: groups in there at the same time. <laughs> yeah, space was at a premium back in the 1880s. So <laughs> especially in a fucking tightly packed area like this. I should also say, too, that a few moments after Elizabeth Law sighting a man by the name of Albert Kaddish, uh, he had been actually in an adjoining yard to Building 29's yard. Uh, he was walking to the outhouse. He claimed to have heard a woman faintly say no, and then the sound of something crashing against the wooden fence to the adjoining yard. Apparently, it's a mind-your-own-business kind of town, though, and he just kind of went along on his business.
0: Okay, so he he's kind of implying that this could have been Annie getting attacked by Jack the
1: Ripper or somebody? Yes. Well, okay. yeah, by the murderer. I don't know that, that that this was only the second murderer, so there wouldn't have been a you know the the Ripper or I believe at this time they were calling him Leather Apron, kind of after this murder. So gotcha. Okay. Yeah. All it right. wouldn't be. It's not like he's thinking, oh, it's Jack the Ripper. Like this is only the second murder, but the Whitechapel murders have been going on for a little bit at this point. So. So, yeah, he claimed to have heard the attack uh, to investigators later on. Okay. All right. Now, of her injuries, the throat had been severed with deep lacerations. The incisions into the skin indicated that they had been made from a blade of the left side of the neck to the right, just like Polly's wounds. The cuts were two distinct lacerations made on the left side of the neck being parallel with each other and separated by about a half an inch. The muscular structures appeared as though there was an attempt made to separate the bones from the neck, kind of like just deep, deep wounds. Her midsection had been split completely open. Apparently, her intestines were taken out of her body, lifted, on, pl- lifted up and placed on the shoulder. Also, her uterus and portions of her vagina and bladder had been entirely removed. There were no trace of these parts that could be found on the body. Uh, the incisions were said to be cleanly cut, and they avoided the rectum, and they also were low enough to avoid injuring the cervix.
0: So he dismantled and eviscerated the vagina, but somehow did not cut
1: the rectum? Yeah, it was from the inside, it seems like. Huh, okay. I mean, that's pretty close. So he had completely cut these organs out.
0: Yeah, I mean, obviously, this is quite the evisceration here. Um... Yeah, I, I don't
1: this had to have taken a while, right? Well, that's the thing too. So obviously the the murder, the first murder that we talked about was very violent and you know, the deep stab wounds. But this one is more surgical. It's the person who did the autopsy, Dr. Phillips noted, that he had thought that he wouldn't have been able to do this himself. Even especially like The victim at the time may have been struggling. It was done very quickly. He believes that if a skilled surgeon had tried it, it would take him the better part of an hour. So he's not sure how he did this so quick and so cleanly. There's no,
0: like, I mean, there's no way somebody could sit here. Let's just say hypothetically sit here for an hour without somebody coming by, right?
1: Oh, definitely. I mean, there were, you got to think. Everyone who was out the night before had gone to bed, and the carmen at this time were just starting to maybe go to work. But yeah, you would think, I mean, there was a guy who actually supposedly heard him who was going out to take a piss out in the outhouse in his yard. Maybe, I mean, it sounds like he incapacitated the victim very quickly and then went to work. So possibly the... The guy who did the autopsy, Doctor Phillips, claims that he thought that like the victim would be struggling, but it seems like he kills the victim immediately and then goes to work. So, well, I mean, yeah,
0: if the, he almost severed her head, I mean, you're probably not going to be really alive.
1: Yeah, the blood would drain out pretty quickly. I mean, you're completely severing the arteries and everything in the neck.
0: You know, so. I just want to say this for Doctor Phillips. I don't. I'm guessing he's not still alive, but um. <laughs> if he's saying a skilled, su- he's not sure how someone did this, uh, and he's talking about a skilled surgeon. I'm guessing he's probably if this is a doctor of some kind, he's probably the only one who's not high on ether and opium at the time. So you know, he's probably a little, <laughs>
1: little bit more quick with the surgeries. Cody, 1888. Everyone's high on Ether. What are <laughs> That's you talking what... <laughs> about? <laughs> Everyone's at least drunk at this yeah. time. We'll we'll probably get a little bit more into him. There are ideas that it was either a doctor or it may have been the gentleman who who were doing the autopsies, may have been the actual people doing it. It's kind of the idea of like who's close to it sort of situation. You know, they're brought to the scene right away to take notes and then they kind of it seems like they go with the body to get the autopsy done so it's one of those deals where i mean they're not just kind of like popping up around they're actually called out of their home so So, do um,
0: do we know the whereabouts of dr oz in 1888
1: (laughs) (laughs) well he does uh does kind of look a little bit like a vampire so he might have been around there yeah you know yeah
0: He's my number one suspect so far.
1: Definitely. Now, the next suspect that we are going to mention is perhaps one of the most popular of all. This is mostly due to his high societal status and the many fictional accounts, including a 2001 film featuring Johnny Depp that was made about this conspiracy theory. Though he is also perhaps the least likely if you actually take a look at some of the supposed evidence that's out there. I am, of course, talking about Prince Albert Victor, grandson of Queen Victoria and second in line to the British throne at the time.
0: Do you, yeah, this uh, this movie from hell is called. Yep. Um, yeah, it I think it's a I don't know if it's a sequel or a prequel about Frodo Baggins um, when he goes around <laughs> London killing uh, uh, innocent sex workers. Yeah. Um, is Killing that what, for sport? Yep. Yeah. Is that what you got out of out of it? Because it is the the same guy who plays Frodo Bag, and so I assume it has something to do with Lord of the
1: Rings. I am actually thinking about uh rewatching. I haven't watched this in twenty years. We rented it back in like two thousand two, maybe. This is during when we were in high school, so it's been it's been a minute since I've seen it. It's not bad, uh, but it's not bad. I'll tell you, yeah. That. I did kind of like reread about it and kind of um, conspiracy about basically the Freemasons trying to cover up. Actually, we're about to get into it in the, the next couple seconds. So I'll save it for that. But yeah, it's uh it was a, you know, a pretty big movie if it's got Johnny Depp in it. So, you know, also, there's a lot of fictional accounts through, you know, books and documentaries made and all that stuff. So. Yeah. Now, there are two main conspiracies when it comes to the crown prince first is a speculation that prince albert victor was a bit of a black sheep in the royal family with people thinking that he was a paying customer of some of those prostitutes in the seedy whitechapel district uh, actually catching syphilis from one of those women or possibly men which would drive the 24 year old insane eventually seeking out revenge for his illness. The crazed royal would stalk, proposition, and murder his victims in a blind rage, slashing the throats and mutilating these women. With the royal family having full knowledge of the murders, though covering up the young prince's bloodlust. Helping along the theory is how the prince was allegedly involved in a scandal involving an all-male brothel. Also, he died at a very young age. He was only 28 years old. This was three years after the Whitechapel murders in
0: 1882. Okay. All right. You know, I mean, on on the surface, it sounds good. Uh, I think my one (laughs) glaring rebuttal would be, I'm just going to say someone who is crazed with syphilis. I don't know if they're going to be as sneaky and be able to... You know, hide. I guess as well as this guy.
1: Yeah, if uh, I I will mention it in the next paragraph. But if syphilis is making you uh, crazed, if you're <laughs> if you're off your rocker from syphilis, I'm guessing it's gonna be an all one burst. You're not gonna be stalking around, you know, doing all your shit quietly. It's gonna be one big blowout. I'm I
0: mean, l- I mean, anybody just watch videos of how Gary Busey acts. Like, can you imagine <laughs> oh, him? Going around killing, you know, hookers in Whitechapel. I mean, he ain't gonna be able to do it in the shadows.
1: Yeah, it doesn't matter how deep of a sleeper you are. Gary Busey starts speaking. Yeah, everyone on the block. Yeah, Yeah. he has only he has only one setting on his volume, and that's high. Now, the theory that the prince was the man behind the murders of Canonical Five has actually been thoroughly debunked, as there is evidence that during every single one of the murders, he was actually outside of London at the time. One instance with him actually being at lunch with his grandmother, Queen Victoria, anyone who knows anything about kind of like, you know, royal family, anyone who has, you know, a meal with the queen, it's very well documented. Uh, every single meal everyone there what they ate everything is like jotted down also with a syphilitic infection mental breakdown doesn't usually occur until years after contracting the disease the prince had allegedly also died of pneumonia in 1892 uh, at only the age of 28 years old this was long before syphilis would have been able to drive him insane if he had caught it at a reasonable age though there is theories that he was mentally unstable from childhood separate from any alleged venereal disease that he would have caught from some back alley prostitutes so it could have been the situation where if he was mentally ill the entire time it wasn't from syphilis but Like, definitely syphilis would not have destroyed his brain well enough for him to commit these murders at such a young age. I mean, I guess
0: his best possibility of having a mental illness is probably from inbreeding, right?
1: Yeah. So definitely um, Queen Victoria... Grandmother of all the royal families in Europe. Uh, definitely a lot of inbreeding happening yeah. back then. Yeah. So, not quite on the Habsburg level, but it was happening. <laughs> so. Just uh, you know, blue blood activities, man. Definitely. The well-to-dos. Yeah. Now, the second theory is likely the more popular of the two, being fictionalized in the previously mentioned uh movie from Hell, and that is that Prince Albert Victor either had an illegitimate son with or had secretly wed a Whitechapel shop girl by the name of Annie Cook. Now, this conspiracy involves the Freemasons, Scotland Yard, the London Police, the Prime Minister, and the Queen herself. This was all in an effort to kill the mother of Albert's bastard and any other woman who had knowledge of the supposed union, using the violence of the Whitechapel as a backdrop. For the cover-up. So basically, this is kind of the idea where you kill a bunch of people and then kill one person and make it all look random.
0: Oh, okay. I was almost going to say whoever came out of this conspiracy, clearly very big Game of Thrones fan.
1: Oh, definitely. Well, hell, this might be where Game of Thrones came from. True. Very true. We have no idea.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, all male Brothel, we know, uh, what's-his-name, really likes to put those in... uh, In Game of Thrones, so maybe just for the dicks. Yeah, Yeah. just for the dicks.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Definitely. (laughs) Now, the third canonical victim was Elizabeth Stride. She was a woman of forty-five years of age at death, originally born Elizabeth Gustav's daughter before emigrating to London from Sweden. Uh, She was an alcoholic working as a seamstress and occasional prostitute in Whitechapel. Elizabeth had been seen on Burner Street in the company of a man, with the two seen hugging and kissing on each other in front of a public house. Uh, there were two men that actually had seen the men and Elizabeth together, and they joked to her that she was in the company of Leather Apron. Of course, the nickname of you know Jack the Ripper. And the two, after hearing this, apparently walked away in the direction of Commercial Road and Burner Street. The man was wearing a billycock hat, morning suit, and coat. He was noted as looking very respectable. Kind of, like, far more respectable than a man who would be seen making out with a known prostitute on the street. May have looked. Okay. so, so- looked a little, a little out of place.
0: So they're implying he is more or less... Not from
1: around this area? Yeah, they're just saying it's kind of weird to see, you know, normally you wouldn't see a guy, like a higher status man, kind of just like making out in public with, like with a street woman kind of deal.
0: Gotcha. Okay. Um, hmm. it's too bad they like don't know who this guy is, or I assume they don't know who this guy is. Yeah,
1: no, they, uh, they just kind of give a description of him it's kind of always the same description uh between five 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 seven you know well dressed um people who even like speak to him can't really claim to you know say who like they know him or can't really give a good description it's all a very vague description of course we got to think now though too you're getting into the time when this is becoming big news. So any like new murders that come around, there's a lot of people who claim to have seen them. That's the problem that we kind of start getting into. I think is there's one, there's one person who claims to actually sell grapes to Elizabeth and this man, but they give the very vague description that everyone else is giving that kind of
0: deal. Okay. All right. Well, They sp- want to be a part of it, kind of, maybe. Gotcha. Okay. Well, so my Dr. Oz theory is still on the table, then, because this could be Dr. Oz. Oh, definitely. Okay. Yep. <laughs> All right. All right.
1: You always suspect Dr. Oz yeah, when for there's sure. uh, a murder. For sure. Now, later on in the evening, around midnight, a jewelry salesman, Louis Demshush... <laughs> I can't say that name. I love it. I love that name. DM Schutz was driving (laughs) his cart into the entrance of Dutzfield's yard when his horse apparently refused to go any further. Lewis would get off of his cart and looked to see what was in the horse's way or what was halting the horse. He would probe the ground with his whip as he was unable to see the ground in front of him due to the field being pitch black. He would find a woman lying in front of the horse. At first, he had thought that she was just passed out drunk, so he went off in search of some men that could help him either rouse her or lift her up. The problem is, when he and the two other men, Isaac Kozbrotsky, and Morris Eagle, found her, they really discovered that she was in fact dead, lying on the ground with her throat slashed. Okay, alright,
0: so... (laughs) I mean, I would assume, Mister Demshits. Um, they must like come. Hum- <laughs> That's what, it, like, did his whole family shit their pants and they just started calling him <laughs> Demshits? I don't know, but uh, yeah, they must see. I've seen a lot of drunk people just passed out everywhere. If they just thought this was a drunk person, right?
1: Oh yeah, this kind of seems kind of like when we were. If we would have been on um, bourbon street longer we would have seen more people passed out on the street maybe this is just kind of the place to be like people come drunk out of the pub house and just passing out in some yard yeah that kind of situation Yeah,
0: i guess i wouldn't assume they're dead either if they were passed out on bourbon street
1: yeah i mean living in a city you do see a lot of homeless burritos uh, yeah. that is a homeless person wrapped up in a sleeping bag and they could be alive or dead you have no idea. No idea. No idea. Do the gentlemanly thing and just be on with your business. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Do a doctor. Dr. Oz would do. Just walk away. Well, Dr. Oz might
1: take him out. Nah, true. It is believed by investigators that Louis Demschitz had actually or possibly scared off the murder as he was committing his crime uh, and was not able to continue the mutilation that the Ripper had become known for. And Louie had believed that the murderer was actually still in the yard when he entered in his cart. And that is what actually spooked his horse from continuing any further, was the horse sensing that that man was in the yard.
0: Oh, okay. So literally, the only wound she had was the deep slash on the throat.
1: Yes. Yep. She was not... uh, the second victim was thoroughly mutilated Yeah, and, and yeah. You know, the whole nine, basically this woman just throat slashed and then nothing else. Okay.
0: So, yeah. Cause he probably, like you said, didn't get to the point where he wanted to.
1: Yeah. And also there is a second murder on the same night, like ah. later on in the morning, um, like in the Whitechapel district, another murder happens. Uh, we'll actually uh, pick up, uh, episode part the part two of the episode with that murder uh, ah, but okay. this is kind of like the midway point okay so okay pretty much it seems like the Ripper didn't get his kicks with yeah. this victim yeah and went in search of another one he didn't uh, he scared off by the cart
0: yeah like he didn't he didn't fulfill his fantasy
1: I guess or whatever
0: they call it
1: yeah whatever he wanted to do he he wasn't able to do it Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. So next up, we are going to talk about the last person for today, and that is the next suspect. His name is Carl Figgenbaum. Uh, he is a 48-year-old merchant sailor at the time. Uh, his ship that he was working on was actually docked near Whitechapel, supposedly, during the slayings. There are records, according to his later attorney, showing that he was working on the area every single date that a a woman was murdered uh, of the five canonical murders that are attributed to Jack the Ripper. Also, he and his co-workers were known customers of the brothels in the Whitechapel district. After emigrating to America in or around 1890, Carl would be accused of, tried, and later executed for the murder of Juliana Hoffman. This was a 56-year-old woman who he was a tenant of. Uh, this was while her 16-year-old son was asleep in the same room. Okay, all right. This guy, uh, I'm going to
0: say, I mean, again, I'm going to be careful of your trap cards, but I don't know. I mean, I get, I'm starting to think like, okay, this guy docks, does what he wants, kills one of these ladies, uh, gets on his boat, and gets the fuck out of town. Perfect yep. escape vessel.
1: And we will talk uh, quite a bit more about that in the next couple of paragraphs. Okay. It is, it's definitely seeming like that, at least according to his lawyer. His lawyer made a big stink about it after he was uh, executed. So, Okay. All right. Let's hear it. So the reason why I thought that this suspect fit into this area was because Carl had killed In America, Juliana Hoffman, kind of in the same manner that Jack the Ripper had killed his victims. But also it seems like he didn't realize that her 16 year old son uh, was in the room with them because the son woke up, started yelling and screaming, scared him away, uh, kind of as, you know, the same thing happened with Stride. So basically, that's kind of why I threw this in there.
0: Okay, murders, very similar, is what you're saying? Okay, gotcha.
1: Kind of trying to tie it together a little bit. Okay,
0: I I like it so far. This guy is uh, looking pretty suspicious.
1: Yeah. Now, after his execution in Sing Sing's famous electric chair named Old Sparky, Carl's lawyer, William Sanford Lawton, came forward with a theory that his client was in fact the infamous Jack the Ripper. Due to an alleged confession Carl had made to Lawton, claiming that, I have for years suffered from a singular disease, which induces an all-absorbing passion. This passion manifests itself in a desire to kill and mutilate every woman who falls in my way. At such times, I am unable to control myself. I mean, if Carl
0: did say that, it makes you think for a minute.
1: Yeah, definitely. So there's no, there's no, like obviously no recording, but there's no proof, no other like witnesses to hearing him say this, make this confession. Uh, It's all just kind of him.
0: I also do think when I hear that though, like maybe Mr. Lawyer is trying to make himself famous.
1: Definitely. Yeah, wouldn't be the first time that a lawyer tried to sell the book of their, you know, <laughs> no. off of the back of their clients' uh, crimes. Yeah, so. just think
0: of the guy with uh, Casey Anthony, Jose mm. Baez, everybody knows his
1: fucking name. Oh, definitely, yeah. That's uh, one of the most recent cases, yeah. But it's, I mean, kind of a tale as old as time situation. Yeah, yeah. especially. Like right after he's executed, then it's like, oh, now I can come forward and say all this shit Because not only is there no one to speak against you for it, but now you don't seem, you know, you can't say any of that shit while he's paying you. You know, you have that whole kind of like the duty to still serve him while he's under your, you know, yeah,
0: confidentiality or
1: whatever you want to call yeah, it. So, yeah. Now, Juliana's murder had been ruled a robbery gone wrong. However, Lawton believed that Carl was not able to mutilate her body in the style of Jack the Ripper because, like I mentioned before, her teenage son had woken up and began screaming for help. Also, the knife that Carl Figgenbaum had used to kill Juliana was found to have dried blood on it from previous victims. Now besides that, Lawton claimed to have figured out that not only was he in London during the Whitechapel murders, but also that during his travels around the world after leaving England, death would follow. As everywhere Carl Figenbon supposedly showed up in the United States and around the world, a string of unsolved mutilation killings coincidentally happened there.
0: Okay, so did the... I'm guessing the lawyer put this list together of these other unsolved murders and connected them to Carl when he was there.
1: Yeah. Supposedly he, uh, he did a lot of and found a lot of these murders that happened and claims that Carl is connected to all of them. Um, this, the, the kind of the idea for the theory that the, the murderer, Jack, the Ripper actually emigrated like away from London is, Kind of the thought that, well, it's the reason why the murders stopped. Either he was killed or he moved away. Yeah. Like he moved on. Is yeah. why the murders stopped happening. Yeah. Because they, you know, like I mentioned, the Whitechapel murders, there's like 11 total. There's five that are tied to Jack the Ripper. But, I mean, that whole era kind of just ends abruptly.
0: Yeah. I was going to say, yeah, it, it kind of just goes away. Yeah. So, I think that's kind of the weird you know, part of this. But I guess in this case with this guy, if he immigrated to America, just so happens to be when the murders ended a little suspicious.
1: Yeah. And uh, I will, I will get into this list uh, in in a little bit, but yeah, there are a lot of kind of theories that Jack the Ripper moved to America. Basically any kind of gruesome murder that happened after this, You have to remember the stories from Jack the Ripper were, like, covered worldwide. It became like everywhere that they had newspapers, Jack the Ripper was talked to. So, yeah, there is this yeah. kind of idea that anytime like a Ripper style murder happened in the United States, it's because Jack the Ripper was now in the US. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard that a lot too. Yeah. Oh, and Carl Figgenbaum, he's not the only like Jack the Ripper suspect in America. So, uh, getting into this list, October. 1889 in Flensburg, Germany, murder and dismemberment of a prostitute, uh January 89, Managua, Nicaragua, murder and mutilation of six prostitutes, Hurley, Wisconsin, murder of a <laughs> prostitute named Lottie Morgan, 1890, Bentham, Germany, murder and mutilation, a woman. uh December 1890, Bern, Switzerland. Apparently he gets around. a uh, murder and mutilation of a peasant girl. Jersey City, 1891, murder and mutilation of a woman by the name Carrie Brown. Berlin, 1891, murder and mutilation of a prostitute Hedwig Nisch. January, 1892, New Jersey again, murder of Mrs. Elizabeth Sr. 1892, Berlin, Germany, murder of a prostitute. Ending in 1894, two years later, New York City with Juliana Hoffman. He believes that all of these murders were carl figgenbaum that he basically like everywhere he stopped like port to port he would do all these murders and you know basically every time he would just get off scot-free because he would just you know on the ship onto the next that sort of situation never being tied to any of these individual murders until the he killed a woman with her son right next to him and got caught so um there's a f- two things I'm noticing here. Number
0: one, Wisconsin is just on there and it sticks out like a sore thumb. I, <laughs> yep. Uh, here's the thing though like a lot of the Midwest, as far as I remember, was r- the states were really in their infancy, right? So, um, yeah, I, 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 I don't know. they just that one's kind of weird, but here's the other thing and more the more thing. So you had the 1888 murders, right? And then each one of these, some are twice a year, three times a year. um, And then all of a sudden 1892 and then waits two years for a guy who (laughs) is this vicious of a killer. I don't know if he could just
1: stop for two years. You know what I mean? Oh, definitely. Yeah. And around like 1892, 1893, it's supposedly there was a time where he like, Stopped being a like merchant kind of sailor, uh, so oh. it's kind of believed that he had settled down a bit. So maybe he just wasn't able to get around quite as much. Also, I will say because of like the Erie Canal and all of that, I do believe you are able to sail from like the Atlantic like into the Great Lakes. Yeah, so I could see you getting to Wisconsin like from from that area, but. Yeah. Uh it's it does stick out like a sore thumb. These are all port cities and all of a sudden Hurley, Wisconsin. It's a, yeah. little, a little odd. We but.
0: well, we do know that because remember we did um that boat that crashed in Lake Superior that was headed yes. uh to New York, I think. So clearly you can get in there. Um but goddamn, that one is weird. But yeah, if it is true that those years he wasn't a uh you know a merchant i guess then I uh, where was he and would you look at the murders where he was during that time
1: yeah it's i mean the thing is too you can kind of you know he's dead there's it's it's 1890 for fuck's sake there's yeah. not a whole lot of you know this guy was obviously kind of a wanderer so you can kind of make up anything you want uh kind of Lastly on here, I should say that besides Lawton, there's no one who had heard Carl Figgenbaum's confessions. Also, Lawton could not produce any evidence that his client was actually in any of these locations, like around the world. Uh there's, you know, no other witnesses to any of these killings who can like place him there. So it's it's all kind of uh his lawyer. It's yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know. Yeah, that's
0: why he's saying like you know, lawyers are yeah, yeah. Lawyers are sneaky now, but during this time, they're really sneaky.
1: Oh yeah, they <laughs> yeah they have limits now because of uh, you know <laughs> all the technology we have There's no holds barred. Back then, on no, messing. no, so. <laughs> fuck no.
0: He could just make up whatever he wants, and people are like, "Oh, he's a lawyer. He must be telling the truth." Oh,
1: definitely. Yeah, uh, I was at work today, kind of talking a little bit about say on the episode. And I was, I kind of made the comments, God, think about somebody doing this, like, nowadays. How many, like, ring cameras would catch them in London, for God's sakes? All the CCTV cameras that are, like, everywhere. You wouldn't be able to get away. They would catch him before sunup.
0: Yeah. Like. Yeah, I know. I mean, I guess that's a good thing. Um, but. Oh, definitely. But, yeah. yeah, it's, I mean, I don't think, I don't know if I sent you the video on Instagram, but it was, uh. Basically, this guy who killed this girl he met on Tinder or whatever, and they literally had video him on camera almost every single second between (laughs) when they started the date to when he put her in a suitcase and her being taken out of the hotel or apartment in a suitcase. Like, this guy is so dead to rights and it's clearly obvious what he did. Like, I imagine that's how how it is a
1: lot of times. Well, nowadays, especially. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. if you commit any crime and have your phone on you, you're fucked. Because they can tie you every every single time your phone pings off of a tower. They've got you in that location. So
0: I mean, I, maybe that's why Dr. Oz has cooled down um, as technology has risen. He knows he's got Oprah on him. He's got all these cameras on him. Now he tried to run for senator, I think. Yeah, he yeah,
1: he can't do it anymore. Yeah, in the past hundred fifty years of his thousand year life, definitely uh, shit's gotten a little bit heated up and he's not uh, <laughs> not able to go wild like he used to. <laughs> you know what you mean? Yeah. So next week uh we're gonna get into we're gonna start off with like more witnesses of stroud like i mentioned uh they started coming out of the woodwork at this time we're also gonna finish up with the other victims and the many other suspects i did kind of cut down the list a little bit but since it is two-part i might actually throw in some more in there some of the fun ones uh <laughs> some of the ones who kind of like the prince who most likely didn't do it but it's kind of fun to talk about them so you know what that I- is the end of part one though is uh you know, a little bit longer than I thought. Even
0: you know what I am looking forward to, uh, is the cryptic letters. Uh, I think those are kind of fun too. With the uh, with Jack the Ripper, um, yeah, yep. it's gets a
1: little. It gets even more confusing. Uh when yeah, we haven't happened. we haven't even gotten into that part yet. No, People are just starting to now because of how brutal that second murder was. Like shit's just starting to get around now. So we haven't even gotten into the fucking meat and potatoes of this. I I was going to say like you laid out. Carl
0: is a pretty solid candidate here. And I'm guessing next week's going to have even more solid candidates. Um, If you would though, just add Dr. Oz in there for me because (laughs) he, (laughs) he's got to be in there. He has to be. um, But (laughs) anyway, But yeah, it, uh, it's an excellent episode. I actually think I am learning a little bit more about Jack the Ripper than I even knew
1: previously, because that's how wonderful of a job you've done. Well, the the fun thing is I'm remembering a lot of the shit that was said on the tour that I took and a lot of these places from seeing a lot of these pictures. I, I actually... I'm going to show you like a bunch of the pictures next week because the pictures of these first three victims are just kind of the, like the mortuary photos. Uh, There are a lot of photos actually taken at the crime scene once this starts heating up. So those are some pretty brutal shots, especially of the fifth canonical. I
0: I was going to say I, in my head, I can envision that where it um, almost like obviously the, in the picture from what I remember, we don't have to give it away, but the face is very, sticks out very good in the picture and then the rest of it kind of looks like a piece of abstract art like it's just almost like one solid mass you know what i mean
1: yeah it looks it's the most horrible honestly it looks almost like from a bad movie set it's so fucking terrible
0: yeah Yeah. that's what it
1: that's what the first thing i looked at it i was like if i saw that in a movie i would laugh at how bad that but it is yeah it's the most obscene make um, sure maybe you've seen
0: you know what actually i don't know maybe they have enhanced the photo uh maybe you can kind of tell a little better possibly
1: okay um, all right they i mean now that you mention it it does look pretty clear the ones that i've seen uh, compared to especially the uh the photos of the first three victims their mortuary photos they're very fuzzy that last picture that we were both we both know what we're talking about that Pictures is actually a lot clearer than you would think would came out of like that time frame but yeah you know it does kind of remind me we were sitting we went to that um museum of murder and kind of the slideshow they had with you know some of those grotesque yeah, photos yeah. those might actually be the most grotesque photos i've ever seen those were yeah
0: bad. yeah that was um <laughs> i, I I, I I don't know. That was fucking weird because it was like a dead body. Not all of them were like mutilated or anything. It's like, oh, yeah, this woman was raped and murdered. And, and next slide, this woman was raped and murdered. And it's like, next slide, this woman is raped and murdered. I'm like, Jesus Christ. People just sit and watch this. And then they were starting yeah. to get into the war, war um, death photos, which honestly, some of the war death photos are
1: brutal too. Oh, definitely. Yeah, the most uncomfortable maybe person I had seen was the the wife, there was a a man and a woman, husband and wife. The husband definitely was not in it as much as the wife was, and he was very, very uncomfortable in his seat, looking like he wanted to get the fuck out of there. The guy, the people in front of us. Is yeah, funny. yeah, I remember that. <laughs> I
0: remember that too. But uh, all right, Phil, you got any closing comments before
1: we get out of here? Nope. Just uh, you'll know, stay tuned for part two, and uh, you know, finish this off. One if you got any? <laughs> What's
0: that? I was gonna say, folks, it's just one. Short yet incredibly long work week, and you will get part two. Um, but uh, but yeah, if uh, if anybody wants to contact us, especially if you've taken one of these white Tap chapel tours
1: that Phil has talked about several times, where can they uh contact us, Phil? They can hit us up on our email subliminaldpodcast at gmail.com. We love to hear from you. Anything you got, episode ideas, critiques, you know, you just want to say hey. Get a hold of us. Probably an even easier way to get a hold of us is on our Instagram. Uh, Be like our buddies that we already mentioned before. Uh, Hit us up on Subliminal Deception Podcast on IG. Once again, love all the comments. Love all everything. Uh, Cody, you've also got an Instagram. Yeah, you can follow me at Cody's Bub, like Phil said. Uh, send Send
0: us a nice message. We really appreciate it. I promise we really do. Um, if you will, the last thing we ask you guys to do is to log on to iTunes, the show five star view doesn't particularly matter what you say, just show how a message in there somehow <laughs> and I uh, hit five stars Hit submit. If you are a Spotify listener, it's even easier. Hit five stars, hit submit, and you are all done. Thank you everyone who's taken time to do that for us. Well, Phil, I will be anxiously awaiting part two because um i love uh, hearing about all these potential suspects that i have never heard before we'll see you guys next we're on to you oz <laughs> <laughs>